guys. Welcome to another episode of When Football Met Soccer, where we talk about all things football, on the pitch, off the pitch. What an exciting week of Champions League football. What a way to wrap up the group stage. I cannot wait to get stuck in to all the games that happened today and yesterday. By the way, when I edit these episodes and I listen to my own voice, which obviously is excruciating, but I realize that the most annoying thing that I repeat over and over again is I feel like. Gotta stop saying that. It is so annoying. Of course I feel like because I'm spewing my own opinion on here for everyone to listen to. So please stop prefacing everything I say with I feel like. Feel free to leave hate comments uh, if that bothers you as well because it bothers me. Anyway... So I'm going to start with today because it was a lot more exciting and there was much more going on, especially because of the group of death, group F. So officially, Newcastle is out of Europe. PSG and Dortmund make it to the round of 16 to the knockout stages and Milan takes the Europa League spot. I'm not going to spend too much time going through the details of each game because I didn't really see a point strategically individually there weren't huge huge highlights for me anywhere it just seemed one like one big scramble everyone was just digging in and trying to win the games that they had in order to get that top two spot or you know even top three right so it was a lot of a back and forth the rankings in the group kept changing because there were a decent amount of goals Well, not a decent amount of goals, but there were goals, which changed the ranking. So Newcastle scored first, and so it seemed like they were second onto the Champions League knockout stage because PSG and Dortmund at that point was still 0-0. And then Milan uh, level, you know, Dortmund scored first, and then all this stuff. And so Newcastle went from going into the Champions League to complete knockout of Europe at the very end. It reminded me of the group with Japan and Germany in the World Cup where the rankings kept changing until the very last day, until the very last game, which was the case here. So I chose to watch both these games simultaneously. And to be honest, I, don't, I didn't think either of the games were that exciting to watch necessarily uh the first half of AC Milan versus Newcastle was decent because Newcastle had a decent amount of chances I think Newcastle's problem which seems to repeat itself a lot is that they play with a lot of intensity in the first half and then they really tired themselves out in the second half they let the other team back in when they're not 100% on it with the injuries that they have it doesn't really make sense it almost seemed like they walked right into AC Milan's trap And if you look at the two goals that AC Milan scores, it seemed like the defenders just turned off. Like they just stood there not knowing what to do and not really trying. I don't want to say that it's a cause of the fact that they had exerted too much energy already and they were mentally and physically exhausted to be able to be on it, like super on it because they needed to be, right? They needed a win from this game. You know, even with a win, they were still relying on the outcome of Dortmund versus PSG. But the best way to secure that is to be able to win your own game. And they were playing at home, 
which gave them an advantage. They had the home fans there. I thought they were really on track to win it, especially after a really good Jolinton goal. They seemed organized. They seemed committed. But after the second half, after the first goal from AC Milan, Pulisic goal. Yeah, like they just switched off a bit. Uh, the intensity didn't come back as much as I was expecting it to. And ultimately they capitulated. And I'm I'm pretty sad, honestly. I would have hoped to see Newcastle go through. Uh, I didn't really, nobody really expected Dortmund to top this group. If anything, people expected them to be fourth, especially based on how they've been playing in the Bundesliga this season and last season, uh, where they almost missed out on the title and their performances in Europe just have not been that impressive. But there were a lot of fluctuations in consistency uh, in the performance of the other three teams. And so Dortmund end up on top. So I'm a bit bummed about that. I really wanted to see Newcastle and PSG go through. So, yeah, it's a bit sad. Unfortunately for Newcastle, they're not in Europe. They tried so hard to get top four for the first time in a long, long time in the Premier League. And ultimately, they still get knocked out of the group stage. So it is a sad day. But it seemed like most rival fans in England were over the moon about this. So I guess I'm in the minority. <laughs> Stew me. In the other match, Dortmund versus PSG, that ended up in a tie, it was a dramatic moment where... PSG thought they had gone 2-1 up when Mbappe scores that offside goal. He was, I would say, unlucky. It was barely offside. Neither team were that good. PSG were better, that's for sure. Uh, but they weren't amazing. Uh, Zay Emery was a deserved man of the match. He was better than Mbappe tonight. He ran that midfield, and he's only 17 years old. I mean, France really just doesn't lack any talent, right? But yeah, he had a he had a really good game. He, Hakimi was okay. Uh, you know, Donnarumma also had a really good game. I think he had some important saves as well. So it was a decent showing from the PSG side. I don't know why they couldn't just, you know, put it in the bag, seal the deal with a win, because Dortmund shouldn't be a team that is so difficult for this Luis Enrique side to beat. I didn't see it, but. Ultimately, it was good enough for them, and Dortmund actually secured top spot. So a lot of these pot one teams may be facing PSG, which I don't know, maybe that's desirable or not. Um, the other games that happened today, you know, City played Ressar Belgrade away. Uh, it was 3-2 win. A little shaky, yeah, for sure, because there were a lot of academy players starting. It was definitely a B-team performance. It's the first time City has won all six group stage games in the Champions League, which I was very surprised about this. I'm not sure if this is correct. I'm actually questioning it right now. But if it is true, that's a weird stat. Um, because from what I remember, a lot of the time what they would do is dominate group stage when it, when it gets to knockout. Just don't have any answers. But anyway, there were a few highlights from this game and mostly from the academy players. So we had Mika Hamilton score his first goal for his senior debut. He's from the City Academy. There are pictures all over social media about how he was a ball boy at the Crystal Palace game in 2017 where Pep was, you know, whispering something in his ear. And flash forward six years later, he's here scoring on a Champions League night. So congratulations to Mika. 
or Micah. I think it's Micah. Oscar Bob also scores his first city goal, another academy player. And finally, Calvin Phillips scores his first city goal. Um, it was nice of the players to give him that penalty. Uh, but I kind of thought to myself, imagine if he had missed it. Then where are we? Because his future is already pretty much over at City. But if he had missed it, then he has lost all the fans. Pretty much there's no redeeming quality left. No matter how much the England squad and the City squad try to convince us of what a great guy he is and what a great lad and all this stuff. But, you know, you're a footballer at the end of the day, right? It's a problem that City can't defend. Uh, they leak goals like a sieve with large holes. I don't know what to say. It, I don't remember the last time they kept a clean sheet. I think they've only kept like two in the Premier League in the league. Uh, and most games, you're just expecting them to concede, whether that's you know going down first or conceding goal after scoring. Whatever it is, there's a problem with all these goals getting conceded. If you can still manage to crack out all the wins you know, then it's fine. Nobody can be perfect. Nobody's perfect. It, it is true that a lot of the other teams in Europe are also conceding a lot more goals than last season. Uh, if we look at, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, Barcelona, Madrid, I mean, Madrid, yeah. It is partially probably due to a lot of the injuries that's been going on, but also the fact that the, the total level of football is improving in which people are able to break down these top elite teams uh, and pierce through their defense a lot better. I'm not going to read too much into this game. It is what it is. It's a win. It's a six out of six, 18 points. We move to the knockout stage and see what happens. I wouldn't say City are favorites to win the Champions League from what I can see. I don't think Bayern are either. They do not look convincing to me. They're missing a lot. Uh, but obviously in Europe, it's not always about who's the best technically. So there's clearly a chance for Bayern to win it. I still think my money's on Real Madrid or PS, PSG has a chance. I think PSG has a chance. Not based on tonight, but PSG has a chance. I think it's Madrid, PSG, those are my top two picks. And if I had to pick a third, <sighs> oof. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's an English team. I don't think so. I don't think Arsenal or City are going to win it. So it has to be... Um, I'm going to go with Napoli. That's just a wild card. I don't know where I'm playing. That, that has no basis. So um, if I'm wrong, which I may be, very well maybe, uh, don't quote me on that. Okay. The other, the last game I want to talk about that happened today was Antwerp versus Barcelona. So Barcelona lose this last game, 3-2. Yes, we know they were playing their B team and they had a lot of players missing, but they were also playing against a team that are last in the group and had nothing to play for. There was no chance that they were going to make it even to the Europa League. So I didn't really understand how there could be such, even if you played your B team, which is, by the way, still full of decent players. He was, Xavi started Lewandowski, which, you know, stop freaking starting Lewandowski. It's like he has Xavi under a spell. Even for a non-important game, he's still in the starting lineup. And I'm so sick of Xavi saying things like, well, we need to give so-and-so player more confidence. It's the same playbook. It's the same lines. 
Romeo to blame for a lot of the conceded goals today, which I don't want to put it on individual mistakes this time, but he did make mistakes, right? The second one is a little less defensible because his job is to play in the midfield and control it, and yet he pretty much lost control in the midfield. But... Chavi comes out saying the same thing. No, we need to be we need to have confidence in our players. We need to have confidence in Romeo. Chavi is out of his depths a little bit. And you are Barcelona, right? If you're not playing your B team, you're playing a I don't no shade, no disrespect to Antwerp, but not the cream of the crop in Europe. You should be able to put out a decent performance. It seems like without the a team the midfield is terrible terrible i had no idea they obviously he wanted to make some changes and subbed in a lot of the first players in the second half but it didn't really make a huge difference i'm not sure what's going on and there are players that i talked about in the last episode that had a huge drop up drop off like kunde i think he should be benched a bit he shouldn't start based on his recent performance Perhaps there's not a clear replacement for him, but if he's playing center back for the most part, it's fine. Just leave Christensen, Araujo, whatever in there. I think it'll be fine. I don't think Kunde should be starting. At this point, I really can't stand Chavi talk anymore. It's the same thing over and over again. The club and the Porta have confidence in him. The fans should trust him. It's a process. What process? It's been so long already. You've had this crop of players for a really long time. Save a few. Yes, but the few players that have come in since then, Gundogan, Felix, uh, Joao Cancelo, they're supposed to help you and lift you up, not bring you down. I mean, look at the quality of these players, right? It hasn't, they haven't been able to make this team better. And for that, he is to blame a bit. I don't think it's time to fire him necessarily, but I'm really questioning his ability and I didn't used to. So that's a real problem. And I don't doubt that they're going to be able to just win their next game and be okay after a while a bit. Maybe they're having a bumpy patch. But it is Barcelona after all. They have a certain legacy. They have a certain history. And ever since Messi left, it's just been a bit of a shit show. And if they have any chance of finding their former glory, Xavi may not be the best person to be there, at least not long term, right? Something needs to change. And even when they win, it just doesn't look convincing. Last thing is obviously yesterday. Manchester United gets knocked out of Europe. No Champions League, no Europa League. They lose 1-0 to Bayern. It was a pretty boring game, especially the second half. I swear I was falling asleep. ETH... What a dude. What a dude. He continues to break records, right? Man United has been the first Premier League team in history to concede 15 goals in the Champions League group stage. That United front three, man, they are useless. They had a total of five shots. I don't think anyone in this team had any intensity or energy besides maybe two players. Amrabat and Varane, which I can talk about Amrabat a bit, but they didn't feel like they even wanted to score or win. And at the po- at one point, United fans were chanting attack, attack, attack. 
even when they felt pressed because Bayern were leading, I did not think a goal was coming. There was no goal coming. You, they, they couldn't get it out of them. You couldn't squeeze a goal out of that United team, no matter how hard they tried. McTominay's playing in midfield. So obviously you just have 10 men because this guy is invisible and he doesn't know what to do if he's not scoring your odd goal or, or so. Onana. As a goalie, he has horrible instincts and I think the mental pressure has completely destroyed him. Coleman's goal, you know, would have been hard to block, right? It's not Onana's fault that he was able to go one-on-one like that. But he would have had a slight chance to save it if he had not stayed on his line. I think he panicked and made a horrible decision, right? So Onana is a complete failure from the United side, recruitment side, management side, to sign someone like him and replace De Gea. Wouldn't you rather work with a goalie that you already have and fix the existing problems than to go out, spend money, spend a lot of money, on a new goalie, not knowing whether he's going to fit in well with your team, and then let the current goalie go for free. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Some people say Varane had a really good game. I think mm, that's debatable, actually, in my opinion. Evans was playing center back at that point. Actually, he came on and did an okay job. Amrabat was my man of the match. 100% aerial duels won, 100% tackles won, 96% pass completed, five tackles an interception. And now we're looking at injuries for Luke Shaw, Maguire, and we have Bruno suspended, which is arguably their most consistent players in the last five games or so. So facing Liverpool this weekend, I don't see anything else but a complete thrashing. But you never know with this United team because they are so inconsistent that maybe they'll just pull out a 5-0 win, right? Because they've been so shit. And yet when they face a team like Liverpool, they're going to pull it. They're going to pull something out of the bag. So who knows? But they've, this team has lost more games this season than they've won. So it doesn't look very rosy, right? Anyway, like I said, front three, absolutely useless, invisible as well. Hoyland, mm, Garnacho, I just... But congrats to Copenhagen for going through, right? Um, they came second um, after beating Galatasaray 1-0. And Rasmus Hoyland's brother, Oscar Hoyland, actually plays for Copenhagen, and he made it to the knockout round of 16. And yet Hoyland with United didn't. So, so that makes two teams in the Premier League that finished bottom of a Champions League group in the same season. This is the first time that this has happened in the same season. And then we look at La Liga that have all four teams finish first in their group. And because of this, uh, because before the Premier League wanted to have an extra fifth Champions League space um, next season, but now that United and Newcastle fail to even make it out of the group stage and come last in their group, this is seriously in jeopardy. So we'll see what happens with that. It doesn't look good for English teams this season. I think Spain, with all four in there, you know, even with Germany with three teams, it's a much better shot for them, even Italy with three teams. So England, this is an embarrassment. This is not good advertising for the Premier League, which we all claim is supposed to be the best league in the world. And Newcastle aside, 
come on, Manchester United, you are embarrassing this league. If this is supposed to be a representation of the excellence of Premier League, then I am fully, fully, fully embarrassed, wholly embarrassed by this showing. So the draw is going to happen on Monday. So we'll see what the round of 16 draws are going to be. Uh, and the round of 16 is going to be played in f- the first leg is going to be played in February. So we have, you know, two months or so uh, of a break from Champions League, which is sad. But, you know, we have things to look forward to. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please give us a five star review wherever you're listening from. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.